You are listening to season three of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Welcome to the Week Pastor Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we have a real good episode for you, and we're going to talk about this. Actually, this was Sua's topic. She she wanted to talk about this, so we're going to let her explain a little bit later. But before that, before that, Sua, I have a nice question for us today. Is I thought it a about nice this. question or a bad question? Uh, I, I, it might be a hard question. Mm. It might be a hard question, right? So. I'm going to have uh, the question is to be this. Uh, tell me something. Tell us, tell the audience something about yourself that if our audience kind of found out, like if they heard it, they might not like it. All right. What? Like if they tell them something about yourself that like something that you may not like or something like that, that might, you know, anger you like our a, audience. Like, a, like anger. Anger our might audience? upset or disappoint our audience members. I just thought like that's that's good. Like you know, we pastor. We got to talk a little bit about some okay, well, stuff. Why that, don't you, know, you say something and then I'll yeah. See so I'm gonna say I understand I'll what say you're this. saying. Okay. All right. So forgive me for those. All right. Who who disagree with me on this? But I don't want to say I hate. I don't. I do not like cats. I have no idea why that people. Is, that like is not cats the direction I thought pets. we were going. No, that's. I just. I don't know. Now I know. I'm sure there's people that are listening. You're so offended by what I just said because you might have cats at your home, but I just. I mean, cats. Like a lot of times, they're not very affectionate. You know, just. I just. I don't know. I'm. I'm a dog lover, of course, but I just don't understand cats. Like I just. I don't know. So I just. I just. I'm not a cat lover at all, and uh, I'm not into cats. I, I don't like cats. When I see a cat in the house, I don't want to touch it. Uh, you know, and stuff like that. So I'm not a cat person. Are you so allergic? That's, I'm not allergic. Mm, like, I'm not allergic to it. Spiritually, you're I allergic. Just, I don't, you know, I used to have a cat growing up. And his name, her name, her or him, I don't know who, who what, what, sec, what the sex was. We, uh, The name was Fluffy. We used to call her, her Fluffy. I'll just say to her, uh, Fluffy. And Fluffy never came and cuddled or nothing she just stayed on her own side hmm. of the room you just feed her and that's it the good thing about cats you don't have to take them out for a walk so they just poop in a, in a, in a litter box but La fluffy was like so anti-social she just wanted her own little thing she was very like an isolated solitary type of animal so anyway so i guess maybe because i do have direct experience of owning a cat that uh, i don't understand cat lovers that's just me. So anyway, so that is that's funny something. because I have always yeah. owned dogs. Like I've never owned a cat, but I think that recently I discovered, and I was saying this to John, my husband, I think I'm a secret cat person who just owns dogs. Why? Like you, you, you want to own a cat? Well, okay. So I can't own a cat because three of the four people in my family are heavily, heavily allergic to cats. The, actually, two of the four people are also allergic to dogs, but we've, they, they've done this like allergy test and they're actually super, super allergic to cats. And even Audrey is also allergic to cats. So wow. I could never get a cat. Okay. But um, pop, you know what? I guess unpopular opinion. This is what we're talking about. Unpopular opinion number one, I don't think I like dogs, but I own dogs. Like I, I've owned dogs all my life. Yeah. Uh, what? it's fine. Like, I mean, having a dog is fine. Like they're, they're nice and they're fun, but they really stress me out. They Why? stress Why me they out st because they want to cuddle you... all the time. See, I don't, I just love the fact that they know love. Like it, it stresses dogs me are out. so faithful. They're yeah, so and, and, faithful. Okay. So like I watched the documentary. 
I watched a documentary about dogs like years what ago. Okay. I don't remember, but basically it was fascinating because they talk about how even though dogs have, I mean, I don't know, now people are contesting this, but you know, it's been widely accepted that dogs have evolved from wolves, right? So, mm-hmm. but one of the differences between dogs and wolves is that um, a wolf will always prefer another wolf, like in terms of preference, yeah. but a dog will always prefer their human over another mm-hmm. dog. Because they're, they've been domesticated that way to be loyal mm-hmm. and be like mm-hmm. a best friend to mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And I understand, like, obviously, I love my dog. I've loved my previous dogs. But it, they really stress me out because, like, they're so needy. So, like, anytime I'm sitting down watching something, like, I, I want to be by myself. Like, I'm finally free of husband and children. Like, Dude, I don't want another living out. thing to want to cuddle with me, you know? But then they <laughs> he just she just sits there staring at me with these, like, sad eyes. Like, why can't you love me a little bit more? And I'm like, dude, I gave you, like, 20 pets earlier. Like, can you just give me a break? Like, it, they just it's, like, never-ending, like, never-filling-up bucket it's like their need for love is like a bucket that has a hole at the bottom and no matter how many times i give That's them a true. belly rub how many treats i give yes. them it's just never filled. like more. they're always like love me more human love me more and i'm like i don't have any more love to give just leave me alone so you definitely are a cat person because you don't got to worry about it with cats yeah, cats are not with, like that with a cat and you know one of my neighbors has eight cats so i went over eight? there mm-hmm I think like cats are one of those things. Like, I don't know anybody who has one cat. They all have like multiple cats. It's like a tattoo. Like once you start, you can't stop. But Mm. these cats, like there's a certain level of like understanding, you know, like I go over there, I give them a little scratch and then they walk away and then we're good. Like I gave you your piece. Like now you're giving me my space and I don't feel like I'm constantly failing as like a lover of dogs because I just can never seem to give them enough. (laughs) So I have a theory wow. that maybe I'm a cat person, but I just don't realize it. So I just keep getting dogs instead. Um, wow. Yeah. But I'll give you my real unpopular opinion. Well, okay. I have two. What's One's kind real? of quick. Um, my okay. first unpopular opinion is that I do not like Simulu. <laughs> <laughs> I really can't stand him. Like, I Is really it because you watch him. Kim's Grocery Store so you cannot see him as a superhero? No, I thought he was actually excellent in Kim's groceries. Kim convenience um, Kim's store? convenience. Yeah. Kim's convenience. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was excellent in that. But after okay. that, I just like he's so unlikable to me. It's not even his acting. It's just like, I don't know, like when when he like his social media persona is so unlikable. I'm not gonna go into it. I just wanna say I don't okay. like Simulu. I didn't like him being cast in the Barbie movie. I, I didn't like him. The second unpopular opinion is a little bit more real. Um, I don't think I like kids. <laughs> For the same reason why I don't like dogs. <laughs> and yet you have two. No, I'll tell you the more ironic part. Not only do I have two kids oh out of my God. own volition, I now I'm a volunteer of my vineyard church kids program. Kids are Sunday you, service. Are you in the kids ministry? Yeah, not by my own volition. What I do got, you mean? Somebody signed you they up? They were doing they were doing a um like volunteer drive because it's fall, yeah. right? So for back to school, yeah. they needed like a lot of yeah. volunteers. And I was never gonna sign up. Like I've always said to John, I'll literally do anything other than kids ministry. Like I do not mm-hmm. want to do kids ministry. I love babies. I love mm-hmm. babies. I just kindergarten and up, not my thing. Mm. Um until like high school. And then I really like high school. So I don't like that middle. Yeah, like I don't like the first grade kindergarten to like about middle school. I like Mm -mm. middle school and up. So I would also I would never volunteer because John works like two to three Sundays a weekend, like every week, 
every month. So then what am I supposed to do with my kids? Like, it's very hard to volunteer on a Sunday service when you have both your children with you. But I walked into children's, like my children's service. And this one volunteer who um, I really like teacher William, he's so great. He's always joking with me about the kids and stuff. He just came, he was talking to John and telling, trying to get him to volunteer. And then John was like, Oh, I can't like I work every other Sunday. And then he goes, what about you? And then I just felt like really, um, I, I, yeah, I don't know what I was. I don't know what happened. I, I found myself volunteering. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You don't like kids and you're in a kid's ministry. I know. God has a sense of humor. He's going to do something. So, yeah. So something. anyway, I'm starting this Sunday. Um, I shadowed wow. someone last Sunday and now I'm starting what, this Sunday. What uh, what age group? I got first grade. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I mean, even at Metro, I remember like all my friends were in um like Metro Kids, kids ministry. and I Metro was like, kids, I would yeah. never do the kids ministry. Yeah, you did frontline instead. You did the yeah, welcome I would ministry. never. Like, I do mm-hmm. not like kids. Like, they stress me out. Yeah. Their hands are always sticky. Like, they always have jam fingers. You got to take them to the like, bathroom. Sticky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes you have to wet their butts if they're really yes. young. Um, I'm done with that. Which I don't mind. Like, like I said, I would change babies. But there's something they're constantly asking me questions. They don't listen. Then they want to hug me. And I don't want to hug you. I don't know whose kid you are. Like, don't hug me. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of things that you I know, don't know why you I'm know, here. So you should be you should have just said, I'm thinking about serving in the welcome ministry. You should have done that because you're excellent at the welcome ministry. I can't do the welcome ministry because I need like I have my kids. I at least in the kids' ministry, they're there too. Okay. They just have to come with me early, basically, is what it is. Now they're just gonna have to come with me early, and I'll just yeah. take them along. So then, um, also, are you gonna miss a service? Then is that what it is? Because you can't... no. So I think I'm gonna have to go to the first service with so your I, kids. So your kids will sit inside. I, I don't you. know what's gonna happen. Okay. Maybe my in laws are gonna have to take them. I have not thought this through. Okay. Um, I probably should have said no. Well, <laughs> well I'm glad to hear that you're getting back in to serve in the church. That is a good thing. That is a good thing. All right. Good. Yeah, unpopular well, opinion number two. So that is very unpopular. Mm-hmm. Like, v- like I thought mine was bad. Yours is like the worst, in my mm-hmm, opinion. Like, mm-hmm. you don't like dogs. <laughs> I'm like, what? I like cats. So you- yeah, cats. And I don't like cats. So it's interesting. So you know what's so interesting for me, like, as I'm getting older? So for those who don't know, I'm 49 years old. I'm going to be 50 in like, what, six months? Yeah, in six months, I'll you be 50 years old. exactly 10 years apart. Exactly, yeah. Because you were born in 84. I was born in 74. Mm. But like, as I'm getting older now, like, I want to be a grandfather. Oh, my gosh. Oh, these little You are kids. not old enough to be a grandfather. So, so, no, I am. I have a daughter who's going to be 22. So, anyway, so, like, you know what's interesting is, like, I, I, like I'm like you. I, I never really liked kids. Like, I was just never into them and stuff like that. Because, yeah, they just, you know, they're annoying, they you know, like all that stuff. So, I was just like, well, you know, whatever. But now that we're. Like when we go on like church retreats and stuff like that, and these and I see these little kids, they're so freaking cute. Wait, like, I am surprised that you don't like so, kids because no, I feel like you always like. I mean, I know no, you don't like kids in the service. <laughs> That's a whole different thing. <laughs> I mean, we, everybody knows. Everybody knows. PP does not like family <laughs> service. Like everybody knew this. Now you've come to appreciate it. But when we first started, like there was no, definitely yes, some level right. of like. Why is this necessary? Like, I'll just grit my teeth, teeth and bear it. But you did not like kids in the sanctuary. You know that's true. No, I don't. Because it, it, it totally messes with my ADHD. But, but yeah. I remember you loving kids in the office. Like, when people would bring their kids to the office, you would, like, give them that, like, ride no. on your lap. And you were, like, super yes. good with them. I just, I just want to win them over. It was, like, a challenge for me. But oh, now, I see. I see. There is, like, a 
deep affection. So there are a couple really? kids at our church. And when I see them, I go bonkers. I just want to hang out with them. This I'm like, is so, so interesting. What's the so, age range? Um, I think they gotta be like like six, five, six, seven years huh. old, that age range. And uh, and so like I'm just like hanging out with these kids like at the retreats. I'm like, hey, can we hang out? Can we be best friends? And this one kid, I won't say his name, but he's like, okay, we can sit together. And then so like that was during breakfast. I asked him that. That's and so then, cute. And then he's sitting in the sanctuary. And I, I came, I come a little bit late. And his dad's like, come on, come on, sit next to me. He's like, no. He's like, I'm sitting next to Pastor Peter. Aww. And so we sat together <laughs> hanging out. And it was just so much fun. So I don't know. So I told all my kids kids i'm like i'm ready to be a grandfather and then christina's like don't look at me you better look to kayla so anyway so do you think that uh, i wonder if there's something biological that happens because like your body kind of knows yeah and like i am like like i don't know maybe i'll change my mind once we have grandkids like i would love to babysit i think think you'd be a great babysitter i would love you know because i'm like a big kid so i think i'll get along really well yeah i think you'd have fun but I would have so much fun. So anyway, I just it's I think once you hit your 50s, you're just maybe your body like you're just ready to be a granddaddy. I don't know. So I just I have uh, a deeper love for children than I've ever had before in my life. So anyway, that's, that's just so interesting. I mean, let the record state. I like babies. OK, I just once they start talking and ambulating, that's when it gets tricky for me. It's too much effort, you know. <laughs> Like I Let just want the record show. I would. I will literally gladly change pee pee diapers, poo poo diapers. I will wipe their faces. I will get vomited on, rather than have sticky fingers touching me and asking mm-hmm. me a million questions that I cannot yeah. answer. Yeah, because it's mentally draining. Yes, because there are some very annoying kids, and that's hard. <laughs> That's it's very also hard. an unpopular like, opinion. Super <laughs> annoying kids. It's, it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> kind of I mean, so, I think I, wa- I, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like I may have been an annoying kid. So I don't know. You know, really? I, I live with one annoying kid. I'm not going to say which one is um, the annoying one, but uh, I have one I annoying know child. Who that is. I kind of know who yeah, that is. I mean, yeah, I have one I kind of know who that is. Child. But anyway, yeah. Um, interesting. Interesting. Okay. Well, we're going to get to our topic. Uh, we could continue to do this tangent. Yeah. Thing, also, but, uh, remember, Sue, I don't like about Simulu. Yeah, Simulu. Oh, 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 and I don't like, um, what's her name? Margot Robbie. I'm not a Margot Robbie fan. Okay, th- we can't be friends. Like, Margot Robbie okay. is the most beautiful person in the I don't the think world. so. I, I completely disagree with that. You know what it is? Do you think she's, she's a demon, like you always say? By the no, way, no, no. the running she list of people that PP has identified evil, have demons. She has an evil smile. Hillary Clinton, Jack Nicholson, Kristen Stewart, <laughs> um, Johnny Depp, oh right? You said Johnny Depp. Oh, my God, Depp. I'm going to get canceled now. Yeah, Who's yeah. The other one? Who's the canceled. other one that you said has a demon? I don't know. There's somebody else. Anyways. I don't know. I'm not going to say. But anyway, but uh, she has an evil smile. So I don't I don't like that. I don't like that. So anyway, Just and maybe know. maybe listen, when Barbie when Barbie comes out, I will watch it on, you know, on Max. Did you not watch it? No, I did not watch oh, it. So okay. when it comes out, I'll watch it on Max and I'll see. Maybe I'll have a change of heart. But she has like a like a like an evil smile so i just i'm not a huge margot robbie fan she so, is so i was actually surprised when they casted her to be barbie i was actually really surprised i think gal gadot that. was supposed to be the initial choice perfection perfection that would have been a great choice so i mean that would have been a great choice i don't know i have to think about it anyways she would have to be blonde though she they, they, she would have to wear like they a would have to bleach her. Hair. Yeah. yeah bleach her yeah. anyway all right so we'll, we'll let's stop talking about celebrities we don't like um what why don't you share with the audience kind of like what we want to talk about today? I think that would be cool. 
I don't even really know where to begin. You know, sometimes if you want to get a little bit of um, like information on how we pick these topics, like we do it very, <laughs> we kind of wing it a lot no, of no, times. No, no, no. We, we um, get on our knees and we mm -hmm. pray for a few days and then we share it. That's and then we wing it. And then we wing it. No, no, no. We don't, we don't do any of that. Yeah, we, we just kind of talk about what should we talk about. I, I, I mean, I feel like it does give it a certain organic flair if we have not thought mm -hmm. too much into it yeah. um i feel like if i think too much about a topic it comes out very crafted and not very vulnerable yeah. because i'm super like i'm an information geek so i love gathering information, you are an information so i actually geek, think yeah. it's better for me if i don't think too much about a topic um but basically this topic which is is it's kind of a spin-off of something we did earlier but it's basically the topic of evangelism um i think mm -hmm. i told our listeners in the last season one of the episodes last season that it was kind of a burden that God was placing on my heart, but I just couldn't reconcile what that would look like, what evangelism looks like in 2023 in my current life stage, because the way I imagine when the word evangelism like comes up immediately, my mind goes to standing at the corner of H Mart, giving out tracks. Like that's, that's yeah, literally yeah. Or, what or doing the four spiritual to. laws. Yeah. Or, yeah going to, on short-term missions or long-term missions yeah, and giving out yeah. four spiritual laws yeah. and, you know, yeah. or that, you know, like that's immediately where my mind goes. Um, and so for a long time, I was like, kind of, I was kind of repulsed by the whole idea mm. of it. Like I, I really did not like it. I did it pretty intently um, for a period of my life, like youth group leading into college. But then I really kind of was like, I, I don't, I don't like this. Like, I, I can't, I don't stand by this anymore. I don't want to do it. And so mm -hmm, I completely mm -hmm, ignored mm -hmm. it. Um, but, you know, as I keep reading the Bible, like, I feel like it's really difficult to say that God does not care about evangelism. Yeah. I mean, the Great Commission and all. And so I guess it made me think about, okay, so clearly Maybe God does not, when God talks about evangelism or Jesus talks about going to make disciples, he's not talking about handing out tracts necessarily. And that's one version of it, but that's not the yeah. whole of it. So then what does that look like for me now? If I were to go and evangelize um, and share about Jesus to other people, what what should that even look like? I wasn't even sure anymore. Yeah, know? that's that's great. I mean, I, I just think a lot of people who are listening could probably resonate with that because like if you grew up in the 80s and 90s, you realize like that was sort of like what we were taught evangelism was. You go out and you hand out tracts or you just kind of do like we called it cold turkey evangelism. Mm -hmm. uh, you meet absolute strangers and you go up to them and you talk. And I think in this day and age, like like that is a, it's a method. And I know some people still do it. But I just don't think it's very effective. You know, like if you go into Manhattan, you walk around Times Square, you walk around different parts of the city, there are people standing and they got a microphone and they're standing and they're preaching, you know, like talking about Jesus. You're going to hell if you don't believe in them. I just don't think that's as effective as it maybe used to be in the past. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't never recommend people to do that, you know. And so for me, uh, one of the things that I, I've, I've taught on before is that in Asua, I think you would be an amazing evangelist. And the most important thing about uh, a good evangelist is uh, you need to be able to develop friendships with people who don't know Jesus. Like that's key. I just think evangelism has to always be done within a friendship, right? Because there needs to be some level of trust. When you're a friend with someone, then you have a there's a level of trust that you have with that person. And so friendships are really important. 
And so like, you know, if you're not able to make friends with people who don't know God, then that's going to be tough. Then you're going to just see evangelism as a cold turkey. I got to go out and I got to just like, just, you know, hit up somebody up at H Mart or whatever and ask if they believe in Jesus or not. I don't think that's very effective. So, um, yeah. So, you know, I know people sometimes do it on social media. I guess that's a way. And I don't know social media so well, so I really can't speak too much into that. But uh, but you got to be able to develop friendships with people who don't know Jesus. I mean, that's such an important part to it. And so that you can have that kind of friendship, you know, that's 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 being very intentional. And then the second thing, and I've not preached on this before, is that you got to like really be interested in their story. You got to be interested in learning about them. You know, you can't just be like, hey, here, here it is. Do you believe in Jesus or not? But you got to be able to like hear them out, learn of their story. And uh, here, you know, if, if you guys ever have that moment, you can have that heart to heart. Then that's important because oftentimes when they share those, they, if they ever get to a place where they want to share their story with you, you can find places where you can kind of bridge some of your stories that might be similar to theirs. And that's huge, right? So I just think that would be like a really great thing. And then the last thing is kind of figuring out like after you've done the first two, like you've really nurtured a friendship, you have learned their story. I think then it's really taking that step. And that's where you really need to rely on the Holy Spirit because the first two, you don't really need the Holy Spirit for it, right? Because you can develop friendships with people who aren't Christians. You could hear their story but the third one is really where you kind of seek god and say what is the next step you know what is the next step do i invite them out to church um do i you know can i pray like could you just like if they ever share with you i'm really struggling right now right now in life whatever i don't have a job or my marriage whatever i'm really struggling with it then i would really like discern hey do you mind if i pray for you and i think that could be one of the most powerful ways right in doing that um, but I think another way, uh, the best way, and I, I think evangelism is sharing your story at the end, like discerning, is it time for me to share my story and share like how much God has impacted your life at the end of the day, no one can refute that, right? No one can refute like what, how God has impacted your life, how Jesus Christ has transformed your life. And that's, that's the key. That's the key, in my opinion. So anyway, yeah, you know, uh, you know, I know in the past they're in a varsity or navigators, they did like an investigative Bible study. If they're interested, do an investigative Bible study with them. I think that would be great too. So that's just kind of those three, the three areas, like, you know, like nurture, make friends, you know, be interested in their story, like really be interested, learn about it, and then see how maybe that can cross like connect with yours, and then figure out what should be the next step, like in helping them. But that should really be a desire. Like for our non-Christian friends, we should pray and we should hope that, you know, that they would come to know Jesus Christ. Cause I think God allowed us to be in those relationships so that we can sort of be light to them. So I don't know. That's just my thoughts on it. Uh, don't know what you think. So I think that's complete. I mean, completely agree. I think the danger happens when, like you said, I definitely think God places us in the paths of certain people because he wants he wants to share his message, his truth with them. Yeah. I think the thing that sometimes I'm like, I wrestle with is I don't, I still have like the residual trauma of like the way I was taught to evangelize, which is like, okay, yeah. I'll give you an example. Like I won't say which organization, but I went on a short-term missions trip with this particular organization. And basically they told us to intentionally go and make friends in this particular university yeah. with the intention. So you befriend them, you buy them lunch. And then yeah. you share the four spiritual laws. I mean, I just gave it yeah. away because I said four spiritual laws. But anyways, um, I, I really didn't like that because it mm -hmm. felt like there was an end game. And mm -hmm. the end game to the relationship was 
giving them the four spiritual laws and quote unquote, having them be saved. Like, did you ever get this image? I don't know if, um, when I was growing up, I had people teach me this image and even my mom, I think had sometimes said, said this to me. I don't know what she would think about it now, but basically they were like, when you go to heaven, when you die and go to heaven, how many people will stand behind you as a person who saved them? Like, did you ever, mm-hmm. did you ever get presented this question? And they kind of tried to like motivate me to have yeah. like as many people evangelize as possible because they would stand yeah. behind me. You know, like I would be the one who brought them to heaven. You know what I mean? And man, like, I don't like that <laughs> because I don't know if that's necessarily should be the motivation for me. Yeah. Um, it's not like Jehovah's Witnesses who apparently need a certain quota. I heard that's kind of how it works. Like, I don't really think it should work on a quota system where like I should want to bring as many people to Jesus so that they can stand behind me so that on judgment day, I can be like, look at 200 people behind me. You know what I mean? Like then the glory comes to me. Right. And so I do wrestle with that. I will say kind of I'm all over the place, but I will say one thing is very interesting is um, recently as I've been praying more about how, how can I in a authentic and spirit led way, that's aligned with God's will share about Jesus. Um, You know, when you hear, I don't know if this happens to people who were like born into the faith per se, but have you ever, if you hear people's stories, like their testimonies about how they became converted or how became Christian and they had not kind of grown up in the church or even for people who grown up in the church, a lot of times you'll see this pattern of people saying, I really feel like God was pursuing me. Like, I really feel like God kept, like there was a period of their lives when they really yeah. felt like, oh my gosh, like God's like playing jokes on me or like God's like really trying to reach me. Like I can feel God trying to pursue me. Um, and I keep hearing this from people who've given me their testimonies. Like I had not been thinking about God, but there was a period of my life before, right before I became a Christian where I really felt like God or some kind of power, higher power was constantly chasing me and pursuing me and try to win me over like that kind of experience. And it's very interesting because I have been feeling that, but not for me, but for certain people in my life where God, as, as I'm praying, God like puts them on my heart. Like I want that person. Like I want you to share with that person. And I think, um, that's been very interesting because I, and it wasn't like, I want that person because I want them to go to heaven. It was more of like, I want to be with that person. Like I want them to know that I love them. And I think that to me changes the whole idea of what evangelism means, because I feel like for so long in terms of my life, evangelism's emphasis was always on, they need to have like eternal life so they can go to heaven. Like, don't you want them to go to heaven? If they die, don't you, do you want to be responsible for them? You know, going to hell if they don't get you are the one who has the truth like if you don't share they are going to go to hell and that was always kind of supposed to be the motivator and the emphasis but in terms of when i pray for the certain people that god has placed in my life and my heart it's oh it's never really about i want them to be safe so they can go to heaven it's always i want to share their life with them i want to be with them and i think it's a very different emphasis for me um yeah no i mean i think that is it i think i think it has to be that um because you know, sometimes I think Christians uses, um, they use like their past experiences as an excuse not to like really be a strong witness to people uh, or to evangelize. And first of all, uh, the Great Commission is not a suggestion. It's a commandment, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So we there there is no, there's no way out of this. Like if, if you believe in Jesus, this is a commandment that our king gives to us. And we as his servants must be willing to, fo- to, to live that out. 
And the purpose of evangelism, I think you know, in the past, we thought the great selling point was let's you get to go to heaven when you die. Yeah, like, and if I think you it die worked, tonight, do you know where it, you it will worked be? really well? Because I think, you know, yeah. like <clears throat> being young, you never really think about death, right? But at the end of the day, when you get close to death, trust me, it is a whole different ball game. When you when you start to if you're sick and you have and, and, and you have a disease that could potentially be fatal, then you do think about death a lot more. So I, I, I see that that could potentially be sort of effective. But at the end of the day, evangelism is so that people can have a they can have a relationship with Jesus. They can have a relationship with God and encounter his love his mercy and his grace for them. And why wouldn't we want people to encounter that? Because if they don't encounter that, then they're just living under the the, the darkness of this world because the world can't give them that. That's mm -hmm. the thing. And so that's what evangelism is, is for them to, so that we can be sort of this, this vessel or a conduit where we can help them to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I do think the, the new stuff that's out there now, that's the emphasis more. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ as opposed to, are you going to go to heaven when you die? Which is important. I'm not saying it's not because that's eternity right. versus the 80, 85 right. years or 90 years we get here. So it's we don't want to minimize that. But I just think it's really important. And all I would say is that you know the, the reality for many Christians, they are really afraid the ones who've been able to build good friendships with people who aren't Christian, uh, a lot of times people get really nervous and uh, like, what happens if I start talking about Jesus to this person? Would they not like me anymore? You know, and stuff. And I just think like, that's probably like lies that Satan kind of whispers mm -hmm. into our ears to believe so that we would not be open about who we are. Because our friend who may not be a Christian, if we have a relationship with them, they would share stuff in their lives that are important to them. So why wouldn't we do the same with them? Why wouldn't we share what's important to us, to them as well? You know, And I think that's really important as well. So it's not about like, okay, when do I talk about this? But I just think like it should come up very naturally and organically. But like for somebody who just has a natural gift like you, Sua, to just make friends with people who are not Christians, that just shows that you have an evangelism gift, actually, because not everyone has that. Not everyone can make friends with people that aren't Christians. Right. And so I think those are natural gifts that we have. I have that gift, too. I can make friends with people who aren't Christians and uh, and just be in a relationship with them, you know, and stuff. And so I just think that, you know, that it's important for us to really see this as not like I don't want to I don't want to offend people. I don't want to hurt people. None of that. If you have a relationship with somebody, if you actually have a friendship, there is a level of trust there. And I think we can invite them to church. We can pray for them, you know, share our story, you know, and potentially maybe even like saying, would you, do you mind maybe doing a Bible study or whatever it might be, but to really care about them so that one day that they can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that's just kind of my thoughts on that. So I completely agree. And I think as you said, though, you know, it's interesting because people may refute you when you start talking about Bible facts, but nobody can refute someone's testimony because that's their own personal story. And it makes me yes. think about that's like, it why it's me, the best. Right. But because no one's going to be like, that's not what happened. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's my story. How are you going to you're not the historian here. But you know, what's interesting is um, I think about why there's no power in our evangelism and like mm. per for me personally. And I think when I think about it, some of it is um, some of it is a lot of what you said, because I am very conscious of how people view me. And it is a little bit like difficult if you've had a seven year friendship with someone suddenly to bring up Jesus, if you've yeah. never done it before. Um, yeah. But 
you know, what you say about doing it organically, it's very difficult to evangelize organically through your life if your life is not bearing any fruit. And what I mean by that is, like, you know, there's a lot of times when people will say, oh, give me your testimony. And the testimony is, oh, well, when I was, I'm not berating this, by the way, like I have a very similar story, but the story is always like, oh, when I was 17, this is what happened. And then I became Christian. And that's it. You know, it gets always very crazy stories of like, sometimes it's Mm -hmm. like, I was paralyzed and then Jesus healed me. And that's when I became a Christian. Wonderful. That's wonderful. You know, that's a great testimony. But then what? You know, and I think those testimonies sometimes don't have as much power for somebody because that sounds like an amazing, like miraculous story that you would hear on like the news Mm -hmm. or something like that. But then it always begs the question of like, so then what happened? Right. And um, it doesn't do as much to always, you know, I I remember I read this book and she talked about it as there's a marriage and then there's a life after. And it's like in the movies and the Disney movies, it always ends with a marriage. Right. But Mm. then what happens? Right. Mm. We keep giving testimonies of our marriage to Jesus. Like we got married. Yay. Wonderful. So then what happened? Right. And I think that's where a lot of our Christian faith kind of is lacking, or at least the the Christians that I see or for myself, especially is lacking is we don't really have much fruit thereafter, you know, like we get saved, but then our life doesn't really show anything after that. And there's no testimony for us to share after that. Well, 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 I mean, you know, I don't want to scare people who's listening, but you know, Jesus gives that parable, you know, the vine and the branches and you know, if you don't bear good Mm. fruit, then what is God going to do? He's going to break the branches off. Right. So, you know, just because you say you believe in Jesus verbally doesn't mean you actually believe in him, right? Like you got to be able to nurture the relationship. And when you nurture a relationship with Jesus, you will bear fruit. Because when you're nurturing your relationship with Jesus, like naturally what begins to happen, and, and this is the sad thing I think with a lot of Christians, some people nurture their relationship with Jesus, and this is a very selfish point, so that God could bless them. Now, who doesn't want a blessing from, I want a blessing from God, right? That is a very American way, a very selfish, self-centered way to pursue Jesus. And then there are those who pursue Jesus because they want to get to know him more. They don't just, because God already knows us perfectly, but they want to get to know God's heart more. And they want to lean on God and they want to, they want to know, they want to continue to do the things that God may want them to do. That's, that's the spirituality that we need to go for. If you're in the other camp where you just want God to bless your little fiefdom and just your little, you know, your, your kingdom, your family, your kids, and that's it. And that's your, that's the whole scope of your faith in Jesus. And for him to answer your prayer request, then I don't, yeah, you're probably not going to be a light to the world, right? But it's really about if you begin to start caring about the things that God really cares about and you you pursue him in a relationship and you're learning those things, that's a whole different thing. And I think that really changes everything. And so, yeah, so that, that idea of bearing fruit is so critical to not just realize, can I be a good evangelist? But to really ask ourselves, are we really followers of Jesus right, or not? Right. Right. Am I really a follower of Jesus? Because bearing fruit doesn't mean you just make a lot of money and get a good job. Mm-hmm. That's not bearing fruit. Right. Because you can do that. A lot of times you can do that without Jesus. Right. Like you really can. Right. Because you're really smart. You're you're good with your social skills. You're you're talented. You're gifted. But it's the other aspect, the things that God can use you that people will say, like, oh, yeah, that's definitely God. Like, that's the thing that I hope that, you know, we hear on this is that, 
you know, we have to bear fruit to be a good witness. If we're not bearing fruit, yeah, we're not going to be a good witness. And maybe the reason why we don't want to evangelize is because we know we're not bearing any fruit. And so I think maybe that's a deeper question that we have to go into. But if we're bearing fruit, um, I think that's a, an opportunity for us to really be a, a strong witness to people. And so um, I, I hope if you're listening and you have been blessed to have a wealth of relationships with people who aren't followers of Jesus, man, that's a blessing. You know, continue to pray for them and not figure out ways and how you might be able to share how God's impacted your life with that person so that maybe they'll have questions. Because I guarantee you they're, they're probably thinking about some of that stuff in their own lives as well. So, And anyway, in order for yeah. that to happen, like you have to... This is that's like the catch 22 for me, right? It's like when I think about organically, how are you going to share how God's working in your life? Well, you better yeah. have something to share, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah. th I think that's the irony is like it's not going to be organic, it's not going to be authentic if you literally have nothing in your life to share about how God's yeah. working in your yeah. life. Like, how yeah. would that come out if you don't have anything? You can't make something up, and there's yeah. only so many times you can talk about your own conversion. And to be honest, like, if you're somebody like me who grew up in the church, it's not a super exciting conversion story. Like I don't have like, <laughs> you know, um, the road to Damascus type of moment. Like yeah, sometimes, yeah, yeah. you know, and I know a lot of us probably, at least I certainly wished sometimes I had one of those stories because yeah. I would go to these like Christian conferences and the, the speakers would have these like crazy stories, you know, of like their conversions, you know, yeah. like there was some like random Muslim person living in like a village and God suddenly showed up to them in lightning. Like I was so jealous of that kind of mm. story because I felt like that's the kind of story I could share with somebody to bring them to Christ. Like if I only mm. had a really exciting, miraculous story to share, <laughs> then I could be a great evangelist, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm learning more and more, like even more than that kind of power, which draws people's attention. Mm. Um, what really encourages people and brings them to Jesus is the way your fruit just overflows out of your life. And they see that. And yeah. it's not just a one-time thing, but they see it over and over and over through the course yeah. of your entire friendship and your relationship with them. They see the way you view the world is different. The way yeah. you do relationships is different. The way you forgive is different and unthinkable. And it's something that goes completely against the current of our world. I think that's kind of the evangelism that happens. And I will add something that I'm learning is that alone is also not enough. I think yeah. that when the spirit leads, you do have to own it and say the words. And, you know, I used to, for a long time, hesitate to say the word Jesus. It was very easy for me to say God. God, I feel mm, like was a much more mm. acceptable, benign sure, term sure. to say, because, you know, everyone kind of thinks about God. God could be the Muslim God. God could be the, yeah. you know, Jewish God. God could be like all sorts of different gods. Right. So it, it was a much less contentious term for me to say, to say yeah. God did this. But um, I've been really challenged to say Jesus because right. Jesus, I think, is very di different. Um, not that God is different from Jesus, but to yeah. for me to own Jesus in front of my friends has been a transition from just saying, I love God to yeah. say, I love Jesus. And, you know, I'm reading, um, I, I've been studying in small group. We are studying first, second, John, third, John, and there's like, and obviously this is all over the Bible, but the number of times that Jesus, Jesus, Jesus comes up and it's like, there is no, G there is no God. Like you can't go to God without Jesus. Like Jesus is it. And you know, yep. the number of years I've spent not saying his name, um, because, I didn't want it to be perceived a certain way or, you know, like yep. a Jesus freak or whatever, but there is such a power. And I know that sounds like such a cliche worship song, but there's such a power in owning like Jesus and saying Jesus is 
like my Christ and Jesus yeah. is my king. Um, it yeah. rings very different to me than when I just say, well, you know, God loves me. God loves you. You know, I don't know. It's something different there. So, Absolutely. I yeah. agree with that. Hey, if you guys want to watch a good movie on Netflix, I would encourage you guys to watch Jesus Revolution. Um, it, it, I actually really Wait, it's with it. the same guy from the chosen, he plays right? Jesus and chosen. Yeah. But he yeah. doesn't play Jesus. He just plays a, he like plays a random just, dude. He plays a hippie hippie who, yeah. um, you know, who kind of, uh, is like an evangelist kind of a thing, but it's a true story of, of the story of Chuck Smith. Now, a lot of people may not know, you may not even know who that is because that's before that your is. time, but Chuck Smith, um, you know, just he was one of those key people uh, that, that created sort of this revival movement in the late 70s and early 80s, especially during the Jesus, Jesus, um, sort of the hippies when the Jesus revolution time came up, when everyone started to like believe in Jesus and that that whole thing with Jesus freaks kind of came out in the 70s. So Chuck Smith was the one who kind of, you know, kind of like he was a church pastor, church was dying. And the Jesus revolution, all these Jesus freaks started, these hippies started coming to his church and things just changed. And uh, and everything changed as a result. Of that. And he really he really was like one of the fathers of like the megachurch movement. And he and he invested in so many amazing leaders um, as a result. So anyway, if you guys are ever interested, you get to kind of see. But so much of that was just they just share with people their story. And that's how people came to know Jesus Christ. It's just this is the story. And like, I think they just try to live out the acts two way like these hippies. They just let people live in their homes and, you know, we're there for them and stuff like that. So it was just really cool. But any event, no, I, I just think it's, uh, you know, like it, we have to, as Christians, like we have to care about those who are our friends who aren't Christians, especially family members who don't believe in Jesus. And we, I hope that we can get to a place where we can pray and, um, and, uh, and feel uh, bold enough to share with them our story of how God has transformed our lives. I think that's really important. You know, my mother went to Korea recently and I was just praying and I said to her, I said, you know, she went because her aunt, which is like her only family member that's left alive that she knows of her aunt. And it's not even like, it's not her emo, it's a sumo, right? So mm -hmm. it's like her uncle's wife, mm -hmm. right? So, but she's not well, she is, you know, she may not have more time left. She may have maybe a year left. We don't know how many, how many more years she has left but you know her cousins called her and said you need to come spend some time with her she'd love to see you so she went and i was just praying i just i just sensed that god is sending her to share because she's a buddhist mm -hmm. just to share her faith you know and i share that with my mom i said hey mom i really think like you should like try to share your faith with your sumo and she goes but like she's like why would i she's like her daughter is a Christian, but she doesn't believe in God. Mm -hmm. Like she's very set in a ways. I was like, listen, I get it. But I just said, just pay her attention. And if anything I told her, I was like, look, there might be an opportunity where you can share about who Jesus is to you and how that's impacted your life. I was like, just if it, if it happens, you know, and stuff. But like, yeah, we have family members who don't believe in Jesus and we should be praying, but also hoping that maybe there could be an opportunity where we can lead them, um, lead them to, to, to Christ. So it's really important. Like that's the only way we're going to advance God's kingdom is when we really care about those who don't believe in Jesus and we have to, you know, so that God can be in a relationship with them. So anyway, yeah. Any other I mean, thoughts it reminds you have? Me of like, I mean, very, very yeah. quickly, I'll tell you a crazy story because sometimes I do think we pray for family members to come to Christ and it seems like 
our prayers are getting unheard, like are going unheard because it's been years and years of us praying for this and you just don't see it happening. Right. Like I, I know yeah. people who've experienced this and um, I want to, I just want to say a really quick story because it kind of blew my mind. Like, um, so um, it's kind of, try to be really quick about this it's kind of a crazy story but basically to give a little bit of backstory it's about my mom and her siblings and my mom has an older brother who is a half brother and so my grandma um my grandma was married and pregnant at the time when the korean war broke out yeah and so um her her um husband who was the oldest of three sons was a very wealthy guy his family owned a lot of land and he was a doctor um and they basically Captured the North Koreans captured him and she never saw him again. And she was, I think, mm. like four months pregnant or five months pregnant at the time. So mm. her first son, so my mom's older half-brother, was never saw his dad because he by the time he was born, his dad had been captured, probably dead. Um, actually, it was really wild because my grandma's first husband was, like I said, one of three sons, and two out of the three sons got captured, and only the mm. like the youngest son was left home. Um, hmm. my grandma obviously was left a single mom in the 1950s. There's not much to do as a single mom in the 1950s in Korea. So she basically left her son with the grandma, um, in that like old rural area. Yeah. And, and, and basically she went to Seoul because she's like, I have to go make a living. So she went to Seoul and she wrote him this letter, like a very long letter detailing that I love you. I'm not deserting you. I just need to go make some money for us so we can live, but I'm going to come back for you. I will mm -hmm. come back for you. So she wrote him this letter and mailed it. Um, fast forward, my uncle has never really been a Christian. He's never really had a relationship with God. My mom, my grandma have tried to evangelize him multiple times. Now he's like in, he's like in his like late sixties, almost, I think maybe 70. Okay. Not interested. Um, yeah. always doesn't, it, he just, it bounces right off. Right. He's had a very contentious relationship with my grandma because he's always like, you left me, you abandoned yeah. me. Yeah. Um, you just left me to live with my grandma, like, like, and then you went and had like another husband with more kids. Like you don't even care about me. So always a very mm. contentious relationship there, you know, doesn't even call her on mother's day. Doesn't call her on her birthday. Like just, you know, kind of goes to the basic things, but really no love in her heart for her because he has yeah. a lot of hurt and trauma from that. Right. Understandably. Yeah, absolutely. So crazy story. Um, he's now what? 70. Two, like last year, my mom told me to tell this last year, apparently they found a bag of letters from the Korean War time that had gone mm. missing. They found it in some van somewhere. Okay. Wow. A bunch of letters Come that on. never got delivered. Don't okay? tell me it's one of them oh, was from your. So my grandma's wow. letter was in that sack. So what? apparently they delivered it to that rural house obviously he doesn't live there anymore but another relative had gotten the land so they had and they were like oh we know this person so they forwarded it to my uncle this letter came what like now 60 something years after it was written wow so he gets the letter and the whole letter so he never got the letter he never got the letter from his mom mm -hmm. saying i'm not leaving you i'm mm -hmm. coming back for you and you know mm -hmm. that letter would have made a difference for him just knowing that his mom yeah. was telling it but he never got it and my grandma mm -hmm. obviously never suspected he never got the letter so he gets this letter yeah. and his wife told apparently my mom that he sat there and cried for hours after receiving this wow letter. okay so my mom is praying and she's saying why now god like why would he get this letter now like what is the story here right yeah and then, you know, fast for a couple of months, my grandma says to my mom, so they live, my uncle's family lives like, like hours away on the train, like in the countryside. So my mom, my grandma apparently says to my mom, um, you know, I really feel like I need to go down there. 
So my mom's like, why? Like, why do we have to go down there right now? Right. So she's praying about mm. it. And God's like, it's time. Like you need, he's ready. You need to share. Mm. Like, and mm. my mom's like, but I've shared so many times. Like he never listens, but God's yeah. like, it's time. You got to go. So she time. called me and yeah. she said, you need to pray for us because it's now or never. Like, I think God really, really wants us to share like Jesus with him. So pray for us. So she, my dad, my grandma go down there and he accepted Christ. How many tens of years after, you know, yeah. they've been trying, he's 70 and he finally accepted Christ. Yeah. He reconciled with my grandma because another thing about accepting Jesus is it never ends with just accepting Jesus, right? Your relationships yeah. in your family and your, your, like it starts pouring all over the other relationships. And so he and my grandma reconciled, you know, he said he forgives her, like all of these beautiful things. And, you know, I, I say the story awesome. to say like, you know, if if they had just given up because they did it multiple times and they prayed for so many years and he wasn't receiving, this wouldn't have happened. But in God's timing, yeah. he makes it happen, you know? And so I just want to encourage right. if you've been praying and you feel like you're not seeing the fruit of the prayers, God hears it. Even though it doesn't look like he's working, he's working behind the scenes. Um, and right. in his time, he's going to make it happen. Don't give up. Um, sometimes it happens when you're 70 and a random mysterious bag of letters <laughs> appears. So I mean, that's 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 100% God. There's I mean, what are the chances like, of him finding crazy. that letter? That is crazy, you right? Know, oh, it's crazy. You know, yeah. and he was crying because that those tears were absolutely necessary so that he can have healing from from his childhood yeah. wound yeah. that never healed and he was only able to really hear about god after those wounds had been healed so really really powerful really really powerful and so yeah i just want to just say to our audience it's really important that you develop friendships with people who don't know jesus and learn be interested in their stories and then really ask God, what are the next steps that I can take with this person? Do I invite them out of church? Do I actually say, can I pray for you? If they share something like very vulnerable, um, maybe sharing your story about how Jesus has impacted your life. Um, discerning those next steps are actually important. And, uh, and I hope that you'll really give that some thought because if we're not going to care for those who don't know Jesus Christ, then I don't know if God lives in your heart. Like I just, if you don't have a heart for those who don't know Jesus, um, you definitely don't have the heart of God. And if you're not pursuing God for wanting to know him more and know what's in his heart and what concerns him, uh, I, then you're just kind of doing it for just your own selfish reasons. And I just don't know if that's really worth uh, pursuing God in. I think uh, the the colors and, and the vibrant faith happens when we're able to really pursue him from the vantage point of, please, God, share with me what's on your heart. Let me concern, let my heart really break for the things that break your heart. Um, in the words of the founder of World Vision. So anyway, so I think that's it. If you guys have any thoughts, any questions, uh, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, you could respond to our social media posts or you can just get on uh, You can get on weekpastor.org and email Suo or myself. And we'd love to get back to it. We love hearing feedback, good or bad. It doesn't matter, but we just love it when people are interacting with us. So feel free to do that. And I do hope that you will spread the word about Week Pastor and more and more people would be willing to listen through your uh, social media posts. That would really help us a lot. So thank you so much. Have a great day. Take care. Bye.